the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a Tuesday. Did you get wet this morning? I did. <laughs> it was pouring whack, rain. Whack, whack, I whack. mean, it was pouring. I thought I might have needed my motorboat to get. I don't even have a motorboat, but I'm just saying I probably could have used one to get to work. I got to work in my canoe. <laughs> yeah, it was really, was really that warm. was needed this morning. It was really, really raining. I, I don't know what time it was. I kind of woke up a little bit early, and I heard thunder. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, rain this morning, and just turned over and went back to sleep because it wasn't time to get up yet. I don't get up until the alarm says, get up. Not just rain. It was foggy. Yeah, foggy. I didn't have that problem. Oh, it was foggy coming in from Conway. Pretty and tough. It, it was just, Especially getting close to the river. Ooh. You know, when I'm, yeah, when I'm driving along uh, 67, and uh, would some state legislator pass a law that says that they have to to put down white lines on the roads on a consistent basis so you can see where the frickin' lanes are that you're supposed to be driving? I mean, seriously, I had... Now, I've got some big lights on my car now that really throws out some wattage when I'm driving. And you still couldn't see this morning. And I couldn't hardly see the lines. Yeah. I just... We had, we did have that uh, have the reflectors, and they they stopped using them. And the reason they stopped using them is because we get snow just enough that when they go out and plow, it knocks them off the road. That's right, it does. It scrapes them up. Yeah, yeah I remember reading that. Oh, you know, dear. so now all they do is when they put the concrete barricades up in the middle, they put them on the side of those so you can see them you know better oh gosh i hate those barricades too but uh there was it was just you know it, seeing going over the bridge today the the main the main uh, bridge on i-30 going over the river today you couldn't see any i mean no lanes and people were showing that because they yeah. were they were half in one lane and half in another yes. lane we had the same thing over on the 430 bridge this didn't, morning it was a little tricky didn't enjoy that at all 40 Didn't miles, 45 that. miles an hour in the right-hand lane, yeah. and I'm, you know, just crawling along looking for everybody else. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, and I, I told Elizabeth, and that's that other voice you hear. You know Elizabeth. And uh, I told her, I said, when I'm doing 60 miles an hour down 67, 167, you know you can't see the lanes <laughs> on the road. <laughs> yeah, because you be a speed demon. I, I you drive be, you be uh, a fast quick. Driver. I do drive quick. But, uh, yeah, that was that was something. really was. All right, Bob Ballinger, state senator, is going to join us at 635. I've already talked to him. He's he's awake. 
He may still be laying in bed for he all I know. He may be guzzling coffee. <laughs> yeah, but he's going to be he's going to be on the show six thirty five, and we'll talk to him about a couple of bills. One, uh, I'm trying to think the number now. Is SB is it fifty nine? Fifty nine. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that deals with uh, telling the federal government to stick it where the sun don't shine. Arkansas about guns. trying to yeah trying to tell us that you know we can't make certain guns and stuff at gun shops around here and stuff yeah so uh he's gonna talk about that and the other one is one that i'm really interested in which is uh the uh, public union one and uh where they don't they're not gonna let them uh you know exert their power do we 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 already have don't we have a u.s federal government employees union oh yeah the the unions have have dwindled over the years i mean when my father was a steel worker unions were big and they were necessary then yeah well it's like i was saying yesterday when osha came into being yes a lot of the things that they were fighting for for instance in the mills and stuff uh the government forced the mills to take care of that's right Uh, or or said if you don't do it we will do it and uh, and they did i mean look i remember working in the mills uh the steel mills when i was going to college and we were knocking bricks out of the open hearth furnaces uh, with these big metal bars that they gave us. And uh, you would go in, and they were so hot still that they gave you these wooden clogs that you put on your shoes so that your soles of your shoes did not melt on uh, on the bricks. And uh, I understood that not 10 years before I got there, which was in... 1970 late 70 uh over christmas that uh guys would go in there and they would stay in there for hours and sometimes pass out and and things of that nature and uh, by the time i had gotten there it was you could only go 45 minutes and then you had a 15 minute break for water and stuff see this is this is i'm not a union girl i do not think that in today's work world we need that uh, but back then we had to have it because that's what made the workplaces safe, more or less. Yeah, a lot the of pressure it, a that lot was of brought to bear, and it was necessary. Not so much now. But the unions were starting to lose their power. Yes, and that, that started in the seventies. It accelerated yes. in the eighties under Reagan when he took care of the air traffic controllers. <laughs> and, and see, Kennedy really set us up for this back in the sixties. He's the one that pushed that public employees could join a union that's right and that's right I, you know i just don't think that that's right if taxpayers are pay- paying people collective bargaining should be out the window at that point well and i i'm looking at the benefit package and the pay package and all the different things that go with being a government employee most of the time and especially in faulkner county faulkner county employees who are government employees there uh, their salaries are generally higher. Their benefits are much, much better than most of the people in every other private sector job. And they don't need a union to help them, you know, get more money from us taxpayers, right? Yeah. Let's not grow the government. Well, that, that's, you know, I just don't think if you're a government employee and the the taxpayers are paying your salary. Yeah. That you should be able to strike. Well, and I mean, we shouldn't be trying to make those people live on, you know, starvation wages or anything like that that's not appropriate 
However, uh, again, just what I know the most about is in Faulkner County, but we've had a JP down there, a former JP now, who's pushed many times for salary surveys because across the board, they're already getting paid pretty good money. Well, and, so, and, you, you know, know what, and, what's the union going to do for them? Right? And what does the government do for the unions? For instance, was it Taft-Hartley, I guess it is, the legislation that uh, now it, when you when you do a road, X, oh, X amount yeah. of people who work on the road have to be union employees. Have to be paid at equitable federal wages. That's correct. Which in the state of Arkansas it's is a lot way more. up there. Yeah. And then secondly, uh, if you had that uh, that situation, uh, it, it's a you got a real problem. I'm just saying you got you got a real problem. I lost my train of thought there. Well, I'm trying have, to read something enough, that's coming into me. Yeah, they have enough um, uh, lobbying being done on their behalf as it is. We don't need a formal collective bargaining union trying to push into that. Um, well, the other thing is people don't understand why unions push the minimum wage. Well, I'll tell you why. Because when the minimum wage goes up, union salaries automatically have to go up. What did you just say? Union salaries? Yes. You mean the people who get paid by the unions to lobby? Yeah. 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 They autom- Funny how that they works. They automatically huh? go up. <laughs> Funny. So Funny. You keep that keep that in mind as as well. All right. I'm I'm what I'm doing. I'm carrying on a conversation with you, and I'm also carrying on a conversation <laughs> uh, with State Representative David Ray, oh, and, good. and I'm asking his opinion about a particular bill, uh, fourteen ninety five. Uh-huh. And he says the bill permanently raises the weight limit for commercial log trucks from 85,000 pounds to 90,000 pounds. The current limit under the executive order is 90,000 pounds. Now, when oh, we looked okay. at it, it, I thought it said it stopped in, at the end of 2020. Uh, RDOT signed off on that last year, and now they've changed their position and are opposed. Okay, so here's what's going on, I think. We had a, an executive order that raised the weight limits, apparently. In Faulkner County, we're being told our weight limits are at 80,000. Not 85, but 80. Um, apparently, yes, there was an executive order that was in effect through the during end of the last COVID. year, during COVID, that said you can put 90,000 pounds, and now they want to make that permanent, is what it sounds like, because there is an yeah, emergency Yeah, that's what they're clause. trying to do, make it make Yeah, it the permanent. emergency clause on the bill... Uh, talks about COVID and supplying paper products, but now I see why it's there. Um, what I'm hearing in Faulkner County, it was brought up in our quorum court meeting last month, sorry, last week for the month of March, and they were quite alarmed because, you know, our, our county roads won't handle 80,000 pounds, and it's going to cost the county a ton of money to upgrade all the roads and all the bridges. Now, this bill deals with state highways, and I do think the point is well taken. The individual who brought it up says, look, there's not a logging truck in the world that's going to get on a state highway without being on a county road first. Mm-hmm. And I tend to agree with that. But I guess the real question is, the way they made it sound, is all of a sudden we're going to have these heavy trucks that are going to tear up our roads. Sounds to me like the heavy trucks have been on the roads for a good year yeah, or more. That's what it sounds and like I haven't seen the roads well. get torn up too much. All right. we got to get a break in. Elizabeth and I will be with you during the first hour. Bible guys in the second hour. we got some good questions for the Bible guys today. Uh, I will be uh, moving out of my chair at 7.30, and Steve Hess is going to take over. I've already told him to sit in my chair, uh, Heidi, so he can 
look straight at you. <laughs> he has to sit so in the big him, chair. Give him the evil eye. All, the whole time he's on, <laughs> give him the evil eye. <laughs> he has to yeah. sit in the big chair if he's yeah, going to do Put him the over here and, and let him. And, and he's going to he's going to run the show during that last I like half hour. I got I got some some jury things that I got to take care of, and then uh, later this afternoon I got to head down to St. Vincent's Clinic and get my second uh, shot. Fully vaccinated. I mean, I'll be fully vaccinated. You get yes, to only wear two masks instead of three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I, I when so. I get vaccinated, don't expect to see a mask on me very often. You know, the news was talking the other day about, oh, we might have to make this a permanent thing. Did you see that? Well, let me tell uh-huh. about what Biden said over the weekend that really ticked me off. Set me, set me into. I was walking around the house. My wife saying, "Calm down." Ooh, you, you do that too? Yeah, well, she, <laughs> she, I've gotten where I control it pretty good uh, because I watch and I get irritated at some things. And I heard Biden say something over the weekend, and I was furious. I have to get up and walk around and kind of bleed it off because yeah. yeah, it gets really aggravating. All right, so uh, Saint uh, Clarity uh, Residential Cleaning wants you to know that if you want to get your house deep cleaned, they'll do it for you. Now it'll cost you some money. Typically, if you've got a home around 2,500 square foot, it's going to cost you 300 bucks. However, I've worked with the folks at St. Clarity Residential Cleaning, and we came to an agreement. We will allow you to buy a coupon here at uh, 1011, and it will only cost you 50%. So instead of $300, you can buy one of these for 150 bucks. And then you'll have the benefits of the great job that St. Clarity Residential Cleaning does for your house. Now, we're not talking. They're just going to come in your house, run a cloth over your shelves and dust, and and then turn around and run the, the sweeper. They know you can do that. No, they're going to clean, and they're going to clean with, uh, you know, uh, cleaning supplies uh, that kill germs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it will be a deep cleaning so uh you know easter is just around the corner passover is just around the corner and so what you could do is uh, simply call here at 404-6560 talk to chuck after nine he gets here about nine nine oh five call him and uh, they've got 150 dollars certificates that will get your home deep clean up to 2500 square feet uh, we used to have $100 certificates for uh, small houses, but we found that they weren't selling like the 150 was. So we've got a, we've got a lot more 150s now so that you can uh, benefit yourself of them. That's for St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. You know, I, I like Carrie's show, but I got to tell you, I couldn't listen to that one because she's going to have Don Dugan on from Dugan's. Ooh. And, you know, I... Uh, when Don was over on, uh, where was he on? He was on Markham. When he was on Markham, uh, and I would go over there and have lunch very often. You know what my lunch was? You're going to love this, uh, Heidi. Deacons? I used to have a basket of deep-fried jalapenos. Oh! <laughs> and a, uh, and a, and a uh, Diet Coke. That was my lunch. Oh, my gosh. You know? That's what I was eating. Did that rip your stomach up? Oh, no, man. I love jalapenos Ooh. and uh eating and and having a good a good time with it star know? of india is the one i heard her just mention that i always really enjoyed 
Yeah, I got to get awesome. with I got to get with Don and uh, do another um, steak night, and um, we w- we'll have like a beer tasting with it, or a, or a, or a whiskey tasting, or something like that. So I'll got to talk to him and see if I can get that uh, together. We did that several times uh, about a decade ago let's do that <laughs> and, and we haven't done it in this new location it'd be great in new location wouldn't try now because uh, march madness is going so we'll wait uh, i'll wait until uh, maybe summer see if we can get something like that going and then the, the star of india oh yeah you can't get better indian food than the star mm-hmm. of india that's a great place to eat you know who used to take me there and makes now my heart's gonna hurt carl kimball uh Carl and I used to have lunch over there all the time. They used to do a great lunch buffet. I haven't been there in years. I don't know if they still do. I'm sure they do. You'd walk in and oh yeah, he'd have nice that buffet. That place was laid out. Well, it and really, the man, really I'm sorry, I don't know his name, but I I probably went in there four or five times by myself to do whatever, and then it was several months. I'll never forget this. It was several months. I went back and he knew my name. He was always he's very very good with his customers. He knows who you are. If you're a repeat customer, he knows you by name. It's awesome. All right, sometime this week, I will play a interview that David Ray did, uh, questioning the RDOT director about the bill that we've been talking about about raising the limits out on the county roads yeah. uh, for the trucks. And this is number what is it? HB what? HB fourteen ninety five. Okay, so we're going to do that and. Uh, David Ray says, Ardett says it's going to tear up the roads and not be safe. And the county judges have gotten up in arms now about it. That's, that's the opposition. Yeah, that's where we heard it in our quorum court meeting was through that avenue. All right. So but anyway, it seems to me if the drugs have been out David there for Ray. a year, you know, we already know what's going on. And by the way, the bill specifically says that the trucks are prohibited from driving on uh, road limits lower than that, on roads with limits below that. It specifically okay. says in the bill. All right, anyway. For whatever that's worth. <laughs> that's just something to keep in mind, that that's a piece of legislation that's out there, and it's it's making some noise right now. It's bringing some heartburn. Uh, uh, out there. It, it's always funny that when you go to the session, and this is the first session for me in 20 years that I haven't been there covering it. Usually, uh, when I was in the afternoons, I would be there broadcasting live, and Everybody who is anybody stopped by the table to talk about bills and everything that was going on. Yep. And any heartburn that they had. It was so easy to capture them. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's so funny that right now, uh, you know, you always have these bills that you don't hear anything about at all. Nothing, not over, and seem like inconsequential kind of things, and Please. they <laughs> blow up, and suddenly it takes all the time. Well, in this case, it's the going. County Judges Association, and it is a partisan fight, I would bet, in that I know the ones that are have already uh, been against it are pretty much Democrats. Right. So, yeah. Well, we'll find but out. who knows? We're going to... Uh, the, the question that you just answered was asked at our meeting the other night. Uh, our infrastructure committee chairman said, well, okay, you're talking about the weight limits. How do our weight limits in Arkansas compare to the other states around us and the individual speaking a republican quorum court member said it doesn't matter all i care about is our county now well, well here's my thing i understand the focus but it does matter you as know. we <laughs> as we talked earlier 
you know, they're complaining about it's going to cost them basically money to fix the roads. Oh, the roads well, are all going to be ruined. You're supposed to be fixing your roads anyway, and you <laughs> and you just got a half a cent sales tax to cover fixing the roads for in perpetuity. Well, now that sales tax is state roads, is it not? But money goes to the local. Is it also part yeah, of the money that gets bro- separated it's out? Broke and, out? Yeah. Oh, I didn't understand that. So they're going to get money so as they're well. They're going to get even more money yeah. than they have now. And I tell you, know, you and, what, and, yeah. and, and the judges are the ones that <laughs> make the decision on road funds. You know, Dave, we've we've Faulkner County reports. We've been watching the roads in Faulkner County for quite a while, and we have been unable to get into that black box. There's just you can't find out anything about it. No, they won't tell you they how much they got. About it. You, well, we can find out a little bit about how much money they have, but we cannot get any documentation on how they work, how they how they plan the roads, what roads they're working on. Well, so how much they, for uh, transparency, huh? Yeah, how they bring them into the system, what they're testing for, how they're building them, and so I guess. As we've checked more into this, what we've been told is this is the case in a lot of counties around our state, and there's a lot of money flowing through those road departments. Not all of it's going into the roads. Yep, I'll say it that there way. Is, there is. And that's why it's such a black box. The judges have control of, of a that, lot of, of money. Yeah. You know, I've talked to R.D., I've talked to David Ray, I've talked to Shane Stacks. All these guys have been JP's. on the court and court before. Uh, Alan Kerr and the judges Hold those cards really close to their chest. It is the largest expense in our Faulkner County budget, and I don't know, three, four million dollars coming in every year or more. Mm. We have not been able to get transparency to find out how it's really being spent. All right, coming up after the break, we got news for you. Then, State Senator Bob Ballinger. All right, back with me and uh, is Elizabeth Sotolaro. She's here. We'll turn our attention in just a moment. State Senator Bob Ballinger, he's gotten up early to talk to us about uh, his bill, Senate Bill 301, and then uh, uh, we want to talk about Senate Bill 341. Senate Bill 301 is not his bill. I'm sorry. That's the one that the governor vetoed, and there'll be a vote on that today. We'll, we'll ask Bob about that. 301 is the return of that $60,000 worth of yeah, COVID Yeah, 59 funds. is the other one that Bob's yes. got that we want to talk about. The ultimate retirement planning checklist is what David Lucas has put together for all of us that don't understand the intricacies of everything that we should do to get ourselves ready for uh, retirement. When he gave me a copy of this a while back and I started looking at it, I said, I didn't do that. (laughs) I didn't do that either. I did do this and this and this and this because I was doing the old, the old school way. You know, I, the stool with, with three legs, social security. All right. Savings. And then uh, what you can do when you sell your house with the money you get from your house and stuff. So I was, I looked at that, but then he said, no, Dave, you got to really start looking seriously at taxes. You got to look at that. You got to look at your health care. You know, do do you have, uh, you know, your health care cover you if you got to go into a long-term facility? Those type of things. And so, anyway, it's a great piece of uh, of a brochure that will help you not go off the rails. Uh, If you're you know thinking about retirement you should read this and get a copy of it uh if you're one of the first 10 callers at 501-222-3315 they'll send it to you absolutely free uh you can go on and get it as well at davidlucasfinancial.com but make sure that you get it all right joining us is uh, state senator bob ballinger bob how you doing 
Doing good. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic. I want to start first with Senate Bill 59. It says it's deferred. Explain to me what that term means and to my listeners, and then let's talk about because this is an important piece of legislation, I believe. Sure. So, so that that bill was in two parts. Um, the the part that remains is the one that deals with the with the in, the interstate commerce aspects of firearms, um, and then the other part is the part that deals with future laws and, and regulations coming from from the federal government, and that is now in uh, House Bill thirteen eighty nine. Um, so so instead of having it in one bill, we split it into two bills. Me and Representative Gonzalez are on both bills. And so that the other bill should run, and, and it actually will be the first part of next week, uh, just because things are moving so slowly in judiciary and the House judiciary. But the first part of next week, that'll get going. When that bill gets going, then we're going to take uh, Senate Bill 59 off from the deferred and run it at the same time. All right, so the bottom line is you all are starting to try to flex some muscles from the state level against what they're trying to do with uh, the Second Amendment on the federal level. That's correct. And we've done it. I mean, obviously, the Second Amendment is important in one of the areas that we're going to see um, a lot of distinction between policy in Arkansas and policy at the federal level. But there's actually a lot of other areas. Um, we're doing it with uh, energy. We're doing it with um, the executive orders in general. There, there's a bunch of different areas that a lot of the stuff sort of goes through sometimes unnoticed, but we're, we're doing everything we can to prepare the state for what we feel like is going to be a heavy hand of the federal government that, that frankly, is extra constitutional. This reminds me of when Clinton was president and the states were fighting uh, fighting back against unfunded mandates. Is that kind right. of what this is similar to? Yeah, so it, it, I think that the difference is um, it's not necessarily about unfunded mandates. It's about mandates that they don't have the authority to carry out right. at all because of the fact that it's it's not protected, you know, not, not provided in the Constitution. All right. Someone asked me to ask you a question about uh, these whole these gun laws. I said, please ask Senator Ballinger if this bill allows eighty percent components to be considered basic materials. Do you know what that means? <laughs> It, well, so so not exactly, but I think where where he's going. So the question is, what would be um, basic materials? And I think the answer to that is probably no. I, I don't know if we have it that that detailed. So if you're if what you're doing is you're importing things like um, uh, the metal that you're going to use to craft the firearm or the suppressor or the whatever whatever that you're doing, then that is that is specifically mentioned in the in the bill as not being. Um, considered to be a firearm. So, but if you if you import something that's eighty percent complete, then then at that point you're probably probably outside of the protections of Senate Bill fifty nine. Okay, all right. That's that's a straight on answer as far as that goes. Okay, now I'm really interested in this next one, and that is Senate Bill three forty one. Has has this started a big fire yet over in the Capitol? <laughs> Yeah, well, to some extent, I mean, this is the thing is that the folks who are in the minority realize they're in the minority. Um, most of the other, I mean, they, they understand where they're at and they expect the policy to to shift towards the right. And, and they, they're not happy about it, but, you know, they, they don't freak out. I, I do have some people freaking out, but, it, it, you know, outside of the Capitol. But, but honestly, 
uh, you know, I've been around the big piece of legislation. In fact, even Stand Your Ground created way more stir than Senate Bill 341 is. There's really only one group, um, and it's the Union of Little Rock that is really, really creating, uh, you know, with the, with the teachers' union in Little Rock, it's really creating much of a stir and is really very passionate about it. Um, it. Because, frankly, we don't do much collective bargaining, and there's only one entity in the state that goes on strike and pickets and all that stuff. And that's the teachers' union, Little Rock. Okay, so if this piece of legislation is passed, is this going to give the governor a little bit of uh, of uh, authority to act like maybe Reagan did with the air traffic controllers with teachers? Not exactly, because the because the governor doesn't have the same authority over Little Rock that he did have. Um, so now they are operating under a board with, with some restriction limitations. So if they had to. If the school system had to be taken back under control, then the secretary, Secretary Key, of course, who who is uh, under the governor, would have the ability to do that. But what it what it does is it requires if a teacher walks off the job or they pick it, um, and you know, impedes the the work of the of the school or any other entity for that matter. It it basically requires them to be terminated, and so they would not be in in compliance with the law if that didn't happen. Okay, so. I, I guess you know I got to tell you I'm all for this. I mean I really I really really am. I you know John F Kennedy didn't do us any favors when he allowed uh, public uh, workers to unionize. That was a big mistake back in the 60s. And before that everybody knew that you don't have public sector unions don't don't work. I mean Franklin Delano Roosevelt one of the most progressive men in the early part of the 20th century. He I mean, he knew the public sector unions uh, don't exist. I mean, it really is all the way up until Kennedy in the 60s that there weren't public sector unions. And now they're the largest portion that most. And that, that's one reason why you see AFL-CIO show up yep. is because they, are, they aren't in the private sector anymore. They're in the public sector. Yeah, that's where, that's where all the union members are now for the most part. Yep. That's it, right. You know, they, the unions have been disappearing and i'm not an anti-union person i was really for them back uh in the early days they were necessary i just don't think they're necessary now no and and this is the thing is the the potential to to unite in a union in order to to offset some some problems i i mean i i would not want to take that out from the private sector that usefulness that tool that they had before while it, it may not be necessary right now it could become necessary and I want them to be able to do it, but it, it is, it's, a, it's night and day when you talk about the difference between private sector and public sector. The public sector, you can say, the, the accountability is provided by the people themselves. You know, they are, they have the ability to, to, to seek redress like other citizens, and, and they have the ability to go directly to the citizens. And if government is not doing a good job of providing for and taking care of the, of the citizens through their public sector employees, then, then they'll be held accountable for that. And so it's, it is a it's just a different situation than than with uh with private sector. All right. So over in the house it's Dotson that's running this bill? Yeah, it actually passed off the floor yesterday. So it's oh, good. Yeah. Yep. So it's back in the Senate um to concur in the amendment. Uh then it'll go to the governor's desk. Last question for you, then I'll let you have another cup of coffee and get ready to go to work. Uh, <laughs> I haven't even had coffee yet. I'm, I'm surprised I can actually be <laughs> Senate Bill 301, the uh, governor vetoed it uh, yesterday, overriding his veto. There will be a vote today on that. 
You think he gets overridden? Um, yeah, and, and I'm not sure if there's going to be – if you know there's going to be a vote on it today, then you're ahead of me. I, I know that we're going to take a vote on it. Um, uh, man, it, yes, if I had to guess one way or another, I guess that he is going to be overridden. I hope. I mean, I, I, I get along great with what I say. I don't always get along with the governor, but most of the time I get along with the governor. I really respect the governor. Yeah. But, um, you know, the policy is to be set in the legislature. We have a, a simple majority to override the governor's veto. Um and honestly, I believe in it. I believe we should never taken their money in the first place. Yeah, so I, mean, I think it's well, I think it's appropriate to give it back. Why is the governor so reticent about not wanting to give it back? This bill versus uh, all these others about emergency powers. Good morning, Senator Ballinger. It's Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, so the reason is it, it is what what he has said, and and I, I believe it is in his mindset. He believes what he was doing was legitimate, trying to help people and. And protect the public from a from a pandemic, and and that the people who who didn't didn't follow the no. guidelines or or directives should should have to pay the penalty that they that they they got out of it. I mean, but, I, he would argue it's a kind of a rule of law, thing. but only if you were a small business. Okay, it yeah. was not equitably uh, enforced at all. Well, no, and we're no. talking a whole sixty thousand dollars total of yeah, big, big chunk money. Of money here. It is obviously <laughs> yeah. about the principal. I think so. There is a place in in Eureka Springs that basically was was pushing back on on the state a little, and small business. Um, and frankly, I appreciate it. Um, to be honest, um, and and it's about that is that these people who kind of kind of some of them sort of thumb their nose at the governor and say, "Look, I'm an American. You know, I don't have to follow these these guidelines." And and a lot of those are the ones that that got fined. It's the people who, yeah, who either, spoke for out. whatever reason, yeah, they spoke out, and they're the ones who actually, because everybody else, if they were doing something that was uh, in violation of one of the governor's directives, then they were they were warned about it. They were asked to correct it. I mean, it, it, there's very few people that that been over backwards trying to comply that got fined. But at the same time, that's, I mean, that's why, that's why we're we're so unruly and we're not easily ruled is because you know we're Americans who feel like we have some natural and inalienable rights mm-hmm. that uh, they can't be easily taken away and and so I you know I, I applaud the people who did take a stand um, and uh, and and it's amazing that you know you can't point to any of those situations where you had a had a major outbreak because the restaurant wasn't being militant about that. Yeah, I just got to say that if the governor was on, and he comes on my show from time to time and sits across from me and talks with me, I would just say, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one, governor. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm not, I mean, I don't think he's evil from the perspective he's coming from. Um, but it, so, so I have a, you know, I like the governor of the man, um, and I respect him. But I am, as a legislator, I'm part of the legislature, and it's my job to to push back and on the on the executive branch when I feel like the executive branch is is wrong on policy. And so, in this case, you know, I I hope that we'll override them, not only because I believe in this bill, but because I believe in the legislature and its its responsibility. So, so I hope that we'll we'll take that and we'll allow ambitions to check ambitions and and we'll override his veto. All right. We appreciate you, Senator. Keep up the good work. Great legislation talking about today. We'll have you on in the near future again. Thanks. Sounds good. Thank you. Talk, Talk to you later. later. Okay. State Senator Bob Ballinger that was here quick, on the uh, Davos. That's great. I, that's what I like to do. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I like to be there because yep. we get a lot of that. 
and you know really what's going on and, and what the arguments are for and against. Hey, Applied Research asked me to tell you something that's really exciting about what they're going to be doing now. Uh, Randy and Donna, who are the owners of Applied Research, uh, have uh, approved COVID-19 rapid testing and treatments uh, at uh, the uh, Applied Research facilities. Uh, The uh, ARC walk-in clinic now offers COVID-19 rapid testing and treatment. If you don't know where this is, it's over on uh, Markham, right next to Burger King, the big Burger King that's there by par- just down from party time. And uh, they can let you just walk in, and you can get a test ran and find out if you got COVID-19. Right there on the spot. Yeah, on the spot. Uh, this includes a rapid test and a medical evaluation. Uh, treatment and follow-up visit are included if the test is positive. So here's what you do. Call and make an appointment. 501-954-7822. That's so you can schedule an appointment. That number again, 501-954-7822. So uh, that's the ARC walk-in clinic over on Markham. And uh, Rodney Parham, I guess it is. Rodney Parham. I'm sorry, not Markham. Rodney Parham. And it, it's right there by uh, the Burger King uh, and uh, just down from party time. Yeah. All right. Go over and check it out. We got to take a break. Let's do that. We'll finish up our first hour with Elizabeth when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so our thanks to uh, State Senator Bob Ballinger for joining us. My thanks to uh, State Representative David Ray for uh, jumping in and answering some texts that I sent to him dealing with this uh, piece of legislation about uh, logging trucks that Real we're glad to get that trying to find out what's going on. He's going to send us a piece of video. When I get it, I'll give it to Heidi and we'll do a little editing on it and get it ready and air it here on the uh, the show. Uh, but RDOT seems to be against this piece of legislation after they were for this, uh, you know, uh, legislation. I'm kind of wondering, is, is, is Carrie the head of RDOT now? You know, you're doing all the flip-flops. Oh. <laughs> you know, flip-flop, Carrie. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. remember gotcha, that? Gotcha, okay, yeah. anyway. A little slow, gotcha. Yeah, anyway... Uh, well, that's what's hmm. that's what's happening about it. It hasn't been voted on yet. I, you know, what little I know about this, I do know our roads are built for less poundage than that. All right, so I don't know what it all means. You would think if the roads have been carrying heavier loads for a full year, that we would know, you know, something about the damages and things that are going on from all of that. But it all has to do with delivering paper products in an emergency situation. Yeah, it's so. interesting how that all unravels, isn't it? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm sending back. He says, "What are you hearing and your thoughts?" And I'm just saying, I and a lot of other folks don't like it. The the weight limits? Yes, don't like it. I, I you know, I don't think they've made their point. I think the other thing that should why be looked at that, has, that should be raised. I know we often do legislation in favor of various industries. Yeah. I have real problems with that a lot of times. You know, well, I understand what closely. they're doing with the with the forestry service because and we're, uh, David mentioned something that I've mentioned before. This is a a piece of uh, of business that 
in the Delta, it's like it's all they got. It's critical in Arkansas. It's critical in <laughs> Arkansas. Know? We're no. we're a logging state. I get that. And and I understand if they will prove to me that not raising the limit is going to cause real problems with the logging industry, then I'm saying, well, we passed a half cent sales tax. We can take care of the roads. And I guess the thought I'm having, and I'm pretty ignorant about this whole thing, but it seems to me that if you can manage your truck at 83 to 85,000 pounds, you should be able to manage it at 80 or 90. In other words, whatever the limit is, it is, I mean, you're managing it anyway. So the numbers, I don't know. I don't see a difference between 85 and 90,000 pounds well, being I that significant. I think the big problem is, is uh, the logging trucks, they're loading them up out in the field somewhere. And they don't know how much And there's weigh. no, yeah, there's no scale there for them. Not you only know? that, but of course in the county they mentioned that the counties have no uh, enforcement. You know, they have no way to measure all the weights of all the trucks. They can't stand at every bridge and check every truck that goes by. Um, and I can see that as well. I can see that as well. We had trouble in Faulkner County with the gas and oil. You know, they started driving the trucks everywhere when the fracking was so popular and the roads were getting messed up and they worked out how to fix that by getting basically a stipend on a regular basis of course they don't have that stipend anymore back to the what i said earlier though about i think the road departments are pretty well funded um depends on the work they choose to do and how they choose to do it it's all a big black box yeah it's there's a lot of questions the big thing that has to happen here in the state is that we have got to come up with a more equitable and um easier transparent way of dealing with roads in this in this uh, state i agree with that and, i mean and we, we got that, too many roads well and for the, we're one of the biggest states as far as mileage and roads we got more sure. than california yes, yes yes you know and it's because of our terrain okay you know the top i mean you can't tell me can't tell me that uh you know california is one of the biggest agricultural states around exactly and they don't have as many roads as we do and a lot of times, the roads that they want in the really rural areas, two-lane highways are, are, are good enough. You don't need four-lane highways. I remember this same discussion when the highway taxes were being discussed a year or two ago and the highway money and all that sort of thing. And, we've, we, and we have it, again, I keep saying Faulkner County. We have it in Faulkner County. Our Faulkner County Democrat judge has decided every road has to be paved. Yeah. Well, who asked? Well, probably, he probably thinks of that, like that state representative up in Searcy used to say, that a kid that's born on a dirt road will be scarred for life. (laughs) I know lots of people. I'll never forget one. I wish I could remember who said that. (laughs) And I, because I went nuts on it on my show because I I grew up on On a a dirt dirt road. road. And it wasn't in a, a rural area. Lots, it was in an urban area. And lots of Arkansans want to keep their dirt road. Yeah. That's where they want to live, That's right? That's true, yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, thanks for coming in. Thanks Always for a pleasure. Uh, Bible guys are coming up. We got a break for the news. So uh, stay tuned for that and more of the Dave Ellswick Show.
sun. Always raging, always climbing, always second guessing the timing. But God has a plan, a purpose. All right, you can hear what's going on in here. Steve had his mic down. If he started talking, we wouldn't have been able to hear him. Ahead, now, for Billy. some of you, would have been happy for that. Uh, I would have been thrilled. We strive for that moment. <laughs> All right, Bible guys are in the house. Uh, Steve Hess is here. Scott is here from over at Agape Church. And Billy is here uh, as well. And I, I want to start really fast with the first question. Because right. the first, this is, these are the kind of questions that I really look forward to us getting. I really do. Somebody, I read this question to somebody else, and they go, yeah, I really worry about that, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right? I heard a message today, and so he sent this to me on Sunday. I heard a message today and was wondering if you guys might be able to clear it up for me. Is it true that we will be held accountable for every idle word that we speak? I can see the scripture all right, well, if it's in the scripture, <laughs> say, all right. I can see the scripture, but is that what it really means? <laughs> I'm a bit nervous about this, so any help would be appreciated. Well, first of all, let me say, Hebrew is not going to save you. Right. All right, I know that's what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, maybe the Hebrew word <laughs> that's used there is a little, you know, a little Actually, wider. it makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm thinking if it's a Hebrew word, it makes it narrower right. is what happens. So let, let's start with you, Scott, because in all honesty, if we – give any any thought to that mm-hmm. any serious thought thank god for jesus christ <laughs> and what he did yeah, yeah. yeah no, absolutely no it's a great question um uh, uh, but um you know from what i from what i can see uh it means exactly what it says uh and um that means then that everything that we say is in some fashion being recorded uh which we will have at some point i guess played back to us in some uh, in some fashion uh so from my perspective it means what it says so therefore we have to watch what we say so we were talking uh, about this yesterday with uh, not on the air but off the air with the uh, power panel because mm-hmm. all of them are believers yeah and uh i was looking at it said i hope this guy is a believer because yeah. that's your that's your saving grace <laughs> right because we're all going to have to face up to all of our shortcomings and sins. Mm-hmm. But God looks at us through the blood of Christ yeah. and sees us perfected That's because right. of that. Yeah. And the, the beautiful thing called forgiveness is, I mean, it's, it's larger than what words can even yeah. to, even describe. But, but here's the way that a lot of our, <clears throat> our hyper grace people get out of this. They say, well, Jesus made that statement before the cross. And yeah. so everything yeah. he said before the cross is is not applicable it's to moot, us. Huh? Yeah, moot to us. And so that's why they, they get around it. But Jesus said, after he rose from the dead, he said, now go everywhere and teach everybody the what things I taught I taught you. Yeah, right, which right. is before the cross. <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, the, the word in Hebrew for um, basically slander, evil speech, is Lashon Hara, and it literally means like the evil tongue. It is evil speech. And so we will give an account for every idle word. There's no escape. We still have, we will get judged. There, you know, right, even those right. who are under the cross, you're going to get judged. You're going to give an account for what you did with what was given to you. All right, let me stop you and just ask the question now. Is that where we stand in front of the Bema seat? Yep. Okay. There's a difference between the... Uh, there are two, ju- there two, are two judgments. judgments. That's yeah. right. One for the unbeliever and one for the believer. Corinthians lays it out, and it says that we will all give an account, and everything that was done... Uh, for God will endure. 
everything that was not done for God will be burned up, will be tried by fire. And, you know, we, you know, the people have a saying, they say, he who dies with the most toys wins. Well, in this case, it's he who walks out of the judgment chamber with the smallest pile of ashes is actually mm-hmm. who wins. Because we we will still give an account for what we did. We can't just go, oh, well, hey, Jesus. And he's like, well, I taught you. You read my word. You right, studied. Right. You prayed. And I told you not to speak that way. I told you not to act that way. You read my word, how I dealt with people and did that way. So however that works, I don't know. You know, we, uh, as I hold a, heard an old-timer say about getting whippings when he was little, um, by the time we get done at the judgment table, chamber we might be able to sit on a dime and tell you what year it is uh, but we're still going to have to give an account you might it. get into heaven with the smell of hell on it. that's right i've so heard that too you're still going to have to answer for stuff you did uh and how you talk to people and how you treated people it doesn't mean again it's not salvation but you still have to give an account mm-hmm. yeah. especially for those who much is given much is required kind of thing right so Spider-Man's in really trouble. <laughs> I don't know. Why. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, Billy. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting. Um, I taught on the sacrifices this past uh, weekend because that's where we are in the portions. Um, and one of those is specifically um, designed for letting your mouth get away from you. Um, you know, one of those sacrifices is specifically if you make a rash utterance, if you open your mouth and make an oath, then you don't even realize you've made an oath because you're just angry or excited or whatever um here's a sacrifice that has so this is not something new it's not like this is something that just cropped up in in the new testament this is something that is going back to the very beginning uh you're responsible for what comes out of your mouth period yeah i think if i'm not mistaken you guys can help me with this i think that um when the bible tells us that there are that there are six things that are Mm -hmm. the lord hates Mm -hmm. seven are an abomination I think if you look at those, I think three out of the seven are, have to do with, with what you do with your mouth. Uh, one, I think, is a, a lying tongue. Mm-hmm. One Shedding is innocent blood and, and sowing discord. Sowing discord among the brethren. Uh, there's another one. So three out of seven of things that, I mean, if God could list everything that is hateful in this world or right. evil, and he pulls out seven, and three have to do with what you do with your mouth. Yeah, I mean, wake I'm, up and smell the manna. Right. Right. The, the, the might have been better off have been born without a tongue. Yeah. That's all the I'm disciple saying. talked real strong about the yep. tongue. Oh, yep. absolutely, and and how dangerous it is yep. to us. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> six things he hates: seven are an abomination, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to evil, a false witness who speak lies, and one who sows discord among mm. the brethren. So, yeah. a lying tongue. Uh, speaking lies and sowing discord. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, and James even says that your that your tongue is is a small member, mm-hmm. but it can set yeah. a, big a fire, fire, big yeah. fires Ooh. with that. So, um, so when Jesus is saying this, he's he is he is uh, certainly um, I think he means what he says. But here's yeah. the good part for believers: every judgment of Jesus is just. Yep. Right. There's no injustice in it, and <clears throat> on that day. When he judges the things that we do, our response is going to be, you are so right. right. Yep. Are, yes, Lord, I own that. You are so right. I yeah. mean, and then once he does that, then guess what? Right. Grace blows it away. It better not be, yeah, but. Oh, no, no, yeah, but. <laughs> no, no budding on that day. No. Whenever I was going to Bible college, they used to say, you know, the difference between sheeps and goats Mm-hmm. Is goats always butt? Right, <laughs> uh, they're always butting. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah, but but Lord, yeah. but he, but she, but I. No, yeah. goats Mm-mm. butt. Just accept it. 
and let the grace and that was given to God blow it away. Yeah, my grandfather said, don't be a, a motorboat Christian. But, 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 but. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's what he always said. Uh, do you remember the, the, the late uh, uh, John Osteen or of him? John Osteen? John Osteen. I know, I know Joel, but okay, I don't this know is John. Jo- Joel, John was uh, Joel's father. Okay. And um, Was he a hyper-grace guy? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, well, not not to my not to my knowledge. He was. A, if you were watching the sermons, he was a he was a definitely a, a firebrand uh, preaching um, Holy Ghost man. Very very different delivery. What happened to Joel? <laughs> well, that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, but, but 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 John said this one time, and I thought it was really interesting because a lot of times people tell us, you know, in heaven there's there's no more crying or weeping in heaven. Mm-hmm. But he he said he said you know the Bible doesn't actually say that. He says the Bible says. Then heaven, God will wipe away tears. Right, and He said the only way you can wipe away tears is if there's crying first. And He says, I think when we get to heaven, I think He said, I think God may pull back the curtain and say, "Look what you could have done. Yeah, look, look, look what the future could have had for you, but because you chose this, because you went that way, you never achieved it." That was His take, and the people would begin to weep for what we missed out on. But then He comes and He. He wipes that tear away and says, it's okay. But but still, there is that, maybe that's a part of the judgment where we see what we could have, what been. We could have done mm-hmm. right. and failed to do. I, I, you know, I usually all. use the analogy, if you've ever seen Schindler's List, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And the very end, I think, is how that's going to play out for us. That we're going to look around at all the stuff we wasted, like Oscar did, and said, you know, for this ring, I could have saved two more. Mm-hmm. If I if I would have not, had not had this suit, I could have bought four more. And I think it's going to be something like that. We're going to look at all the things we could have done for God instead of squandering things for the world. That scene makes me cry. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty intense. Yep. Mm. <clears throat> I got to stop for a <laughs> It's that scene, and the other scene is when they're going through the apartment complex, and the kids are hiding in the crap mm-hmm. from from yeah. the Nazis. It just it, it it moves me. And then Saving Private Ryan, oh. yeah, and the guy looks at his wife and say, "I gotta stop." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Tell me I'm worth it. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All those guys died, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So what's great about movies? There you <laughs> go. <laughs> they are designed to affect us. All yeah. right. What position? Here we go. Are you guys ready? Here we got another one for you. I got to bring it up. Heart getting away in my mouth. Dear Bible guys, what is your position? I'm going to start. Oh, we got a break? Okay. Let me break first, and then we come back. This question, I'm going to specifically give it to Steve. Sweet. I got to give it to I don't Steve know what it because is, we've also. talked about it before. So, want to want to get to this. You know, right now is the time to sell your home if you're really thinking about selling your home, uh, because inventories are uh, low right now, and that means you can get more money for the home that you're trying to sell. Secondly, uh, interest rates are at all time lows as well, so people can afford to buy your house. So you want to make sure you do the best job you can of presenting your house to the people that are trying to buy it. And Justin or Dustin Turner, I say Justin all the time because my my son-in-law's name is Justin. But Dustin Turner uh, can help you with this because he's got a whole marketing plan that he can put to work for you. He makes it easy to get people into your uh, dream home, sell their current homes without the stress that goes with that in the present uh, market. Uh, Darren wanted to get the most money for his home. 
you'd heard on the radio, probably on my show, about Dustin's various marketing plans and gave him a call. Justin's team went to work, and after listing Darren's home, a bidding war began. This is a good thing if you're selling your home. Uh, Dustin helped him navigate through the offers and get top dollar for his home. Dustin Turner with the home team brokered by EXP Realty uh, can really help you out. They can also give you an instant offer. You might want to talk about that if you don't want to do all the, you know, showing of your home and all of that. You don't want to be gone on the weekend so people can walk through your house. Don't have to do that. So call the only agent I'd call if I need to sell my home right now, and that's Dustin Turner. His number is 501-952-2969, 501-952-2969. Or you can go online to hometeamsoldit.com. That's hometeamsoldit.com. All right, we are back in the studio. I've already told Steve, but I'm going to ask him and. <laughs> And everybody here in the studio started talking. Yeah. Yeah, started talking. This is a great question because it's it's kind of the question of our day. Uh, there was a movie that dealed with the uh, uh, the monkey trial in Tennessee, uh, Inherit the Wind, with Spencer Tracy. And I'm trying to think of who the other guy was that was in it. But uh, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. But everybody misses it, the movie that... The whole thing about evolution was never proven right. in the movie. Uh, it's about, Bible guys, what's your position on creation? Do you believe that the earth was actually created by God in a literal six days? Or do you believe as more and more people are starting to believe that God created the world by the process of evolution? And I, you know, the way this is stated, Sounds like, you know, now are you really so dumb that you believe the world you know, <laughs> right. you know, was created in six days? Well, here, it, I'm so dumb that I believe that a man was put on a cross, <laughs> nailed to it, <laughs> died, <laughs> was put in a tomb. Three days later, he started breathing again. He came out of that tomb, <laughs> ascended up into heaven. Amen. I believe it. Yes. Yeah. All right? I believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why, I, I mean, people call me on that a lot. Yeah. You know, they say, you really believe that? Yes. Of course. I do believe it. And there were people, uh, because they were told repeatedly that black people are less than human, that Jews were less than human, because they were told it repeatedly, repeatedly, right. repeatedly, and it was all lies, right? So evolution has been taught as fact, and it was, and the, the word theory was removed about 20 years ago. Yep, you're right. You don't hear the theory of evolution anymore. It's taught as fact, and it's not. Well, it's probably removed back in the late 70s, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, the start word. taking the word away? Yeah. 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 There are two great videos out there you can watch. One is called The Mathematical Challenges to Darwinism. Only one of these guys is a believer. The other two guys are the one's a physicist and the other one's just a, uh, he's a mathematician. But even the believer is a, is a scientist. Yes, he yes, he is a, he is a scientist. They, all three of them are PhDs. So they're, they're like all astrophysicists, chemists, scientists, math, mathematicians, all that stuff. <clears throat> and the, the two um, non-believing professors basically said, well, if evolution or if creationism is true, then we'll believe it, but we got to make sure it verifies that it balances out scientifically. And it's just, it's a, they take it from a pure scientific approach. It's a great video. There's another one out there called Is Genesis History? That's good, too. That one's a great one. The guy starts off 
riding on top, he's walking on top of these hills. <clears throat> and he says, when I was a kid, I used to walk along these hills and ride horses in this country with my grandfather. He goes, the only problem is I used to do it 600 feet below where we're standing now. Mm-hmm. And where he's standing now is where, out, where Mount St. Helens was. And he goes through the whole layers and how all that came into being and how if you'd never told a scientist where they were standing and just let them start digging, that they would start telling you this stuff happened over millions of years. Mm-hmm. Right. There's so many problems with the theory, but that's not why what I'll address. I'll just take um, – the you got to look at how it's being written. So people go back to the beginning of Genesis and will say, "Oh, that's just an allegory. It's a metaphor to start describe how God created everything through evolution." Yeah, Except, so so were Adam and Eve and blah blah right. blah blah blah. They By the end people. of it, now Jesus didn't even exist. Yeah. Right. But anyway, go ahead. And you can go. And I'll hit. I'll hit first ex, uh, Exodus twenty when the, the commandments are given. God says, remember the Sabbath day, for in six days the Lord created the heavens and the earth, and he rem- and he rested on the Sabbath. So they reiterate here that it was a literal day, a literal time, right? And so if we don't accept that and then we take it back and we go, hey, well, Adam and Eve, they, they weren't real people. They were just a couple of monkeys that started evolving, and that's where we kind of got this. I, I get people, I believe that. People in yeah, church, I believe yeah. that. Really? That they just, yeah. yeah, they just slapped two names on some monkeys, and that's, that's Adam and Eve, and they were the beginning of evolution. Except for when does it stop? And here's what I mean by that. So if Adam and Eve weren't real— uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were they real? Was Noah real? Was Enoch real? Well, they were just kind of, but they gave names. They gave dates. They gave births, right? And then we go, well, well, well what about Moses? Was he real? Was Joshua real? Was David real? Well, there's people who well, don't, you don't believe that yeah. King David wasn't real. Right. That's amazing So to if me. you don't believe those stories... I got a real humdinger about some guy that lived and died and was dead for three days. Yeah, in that's what I'm saying. Right. So at what point do we stop believing the word that those words mean what they say, those mm-hmm. days mean what they say? And that's the, the, the whole plan is from the enemy, from the left, to try and discredit the word of God and that it is real and those things. So, yes, they absolutely um, believe, say what they mean, and there's a lot of scientists that are, are dropping the theory of evolution. Yeah. I wish I could remember the astrophysicist's <clears throat> name, and I've mentioned this on the air before. I'm going to have to get in and, and and remember his find his name again. But he said that all through his life, he cro- he he climbed the mountain of reason and mm-hmm. logic, and when he got to the top, he found God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wasn't Schaefer who said that? No, it wasn't Francis Schaeffer. And I I will say, if you're struggling with the idea of the world being physically created and all the universe being physically created in six days, um, there is a video out there, and I wish I could remember the name, but it talks about – now, it is deep math. Um, You'll have to have some some understanding of physics and some understanding of math to really be able to appreciate it. But it it is specifically dealing with the way gravity affects time and how the fact that – from the outside looking in, um, you might be able to observe just because of the way time works um, that the universe really is 14 billion years old. But from the Earth looking out, it would have happened in a matter of, of days, very specifically six, I'm guessing. So um, time, we think of time as being very linear. But when you when you step into the math, time is, is not linear. Time is not moving the same everywhere. We, we Matter of fact, we have to adjust the clocks on the GPS satellites to keep them synced with the Earth because that little bit of distance makes a difference in the way time is calculated. So when you start talking about the entirety of the universe, time gets really wonky really fast. So 
the the fact that you're you're dealing with a 70 or 80 year old theory that says well it had to have been billions of years is just laughable at this yeah. point all right we're coming <clears throat> up on rush so we want to get to that steve is going to sit in for me for the last part of the show and take my position enjoy it sir <laughs> But I, I've told I've told Heidi to get you the evil eye over there. All right, she'll be watching you, man. She'll Just means I can now you. really harass. Yeah, yeah the, the I have I have something that I cannot miss that starts at eight thirty, and I I got to do it in Cabot, so I got to get on the way back. So uh, enjoy the rest of the Bible, guys. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at six a.m. And we'll talk about Cabot. <laughs> well, Dave is not back, but a younger, better-looking version hey, is back. Oh, I'm just kidding. I was hoping, I, but I'm on the wrong side of the desk for you to talk about me like that. So. I was hoping he made it down to his car in time. <laughs> so this is Steve. I am sitting in for Dave. I'm so sure I'm, he's listening, Steve, yeah. so be good. So for the next uh, 30 minutes, I will identify as uh, Dave Ellswick and pick up where we left off. <laughs> okay, so we, the last segment we were talking about, we concluded with uh, – do we really believe in the six days of creation? And myself and Billy have spoke, but I don't think Pastor Scott had a chance to say anything. Yeah, so and uh, and I'll chime in there and say uh, yes. I think that um, uh, I think that the the idea of a twenty four hour uh, day might be um, a little bit of a debatable uh, time frame, but I do think that yes, it was six uh, it was six days he did. We did, and the reason why that is because the uh, the Bible tells us that he uh, that he did. Uh, just uh, going back to what the other guy said about uh, uh, there being. Um, PhDs, mathematicians saying this is not possible. I'll just quickly just tell a story. Uh, I was in Buenos Aires several years ago and to do a church plant, staying at a B&B. And, um, you know, at a B&B, sometimes you sit at the same table and eat with people you don't know, uh, which I was doing. And um, the guy turned out to be uh, one of uh, France's uh, premier quantum physicists. And uh, and I when I heard that I thought this is great so, so I can ask you some questions I didn't tell him what I did because typically when the people find out what you do they get a little defensive right, right. and so uh, but um, so I just said tell me the story of the of the Big Bang so basically he begins to tell this uh, the typical traditional story of evolution and um, and so I began to question him uh, and I knew enough to to kind of challenge the position and after several times he kept saying well we don't know we don't know uh he eventually stopped me and said listen at the end of the day we really don't know anything and uh and i said so what you're telling me is everything that you say that really you have disproven is now in the textbooks and kids are learning as fact and he said yes and i said so then how do you base what you what you're what you're doing and he says by faith so so even it premieres you know, a premier quantum physicist says, you know, anytime we think we've proven something, we disprove our theory within a year, year and a half. Yeah. And, but everybody believes it to be true, but the scientific community knows it's not true. And so whatever we print, we actually print in faith because we pretty much know it's going to be uh, disproven. So, yeah. you know, you can believe in the beginning dirt did something or you can believe in the beginning God did something, but you're mm-hmm. using faith either way. Yeah. yeah. You know, and one of my one of my favorite things that – because we, we talk here a lot about the fact that science – never disproves the Bible, but science often comes along and catches up. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that people have, have so frequently used as a counter to the six-day creation is the fact that light shows up before the illuminaries show up, that you, mm-hmm. have, you have light before you have the, the stars. And that has, that has long been an argument against the six-day creation. But just in the last four or five years, um, physicists come out and go in, well, when the Big Bang happened, because all of that gas was so hot, what really would have been there as the the uh, planets were forming would just be a big cloud of, of light. 
the the entire universe would have been filled with basically nothing but light and the developing bodies. And it's like, you know, I think I've read somewhere where the light showed up before the bodies that you think have to be there to produce the light. So it turns out that even that now even the the big bangers have caught up with the fact that, well, light did exist before mm-hmm. the stars that create that light showed up. So, you know, the other people, group of people that are catching up are yeah. the archaeologists. Yes. Yeah. Right? So it's one of the things that I tell people when I get a chance to talk about these kind of things and say, <clears throat> the Bible's never been disproven. Right. Okay? So you can argue that about the whole thing about creation and evolution and all of that, but historically and archaeologically, it has never been disproven. Right. There are things that we haven't had confirmed yet, right, right? Right. But they have never found anything that disproved anything that's written either, you know, historically or geographically where they, the Bible says the city was, oh, no, it wasn't there, or this person reigned. Well, we don't know that. And then they find, as we use uh, the Pontius Pilate stone, mm-hmm. those kind of things. So it's always been proven. But just to the contrary, the, they, they, fought, they prove the Bible. That's right. And even if yeah. they go out to disprove it, they actually wind up proving it. Uh, it I was um, I was in a, in a lecture. I was reading it uh, years ago, and they were saying that the, the that archaeologists they go out into the field with a shovel in one hand and a Bible in the other, right? Because the Bible is the know, map. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it's a treasure map in a way. It can lead you, and you'll find the stuff that the Bible says. And there's no other book uh, like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and and archaeology is relatively a new. Uh, in relatively a new science in the in the you know in the group of sciences, uh, I mean I only think archaeology really became uh, a big kind of official thing. Maybe it was back in the twenties or something. I mean they used to have what they called um, antiquarians, like in the eighteen and nineteen hundreds, which were people that were digging for stuff but weren't in a skilled position. But yeah, it's still proven. It. I remember yeah. the archaeology um, course that I took with the institute, and it was you know it's funny how you know certain numbers stick. And I remember that when Dr. Mosley said that only uh, we only know 24 percent of what's below the earth. Oh, right. that that's all that they've been able to verify, that that's what they only think that they've uncovered. And so you watch these things on the History Channel and that kind of stuff, and you're like, yeah, they just found this like 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago or whatever. It's yeah. just it's like, how did you not know that was there? You know, right. that kind of thing, and because they, they can't dig up everything. Right, right. Okay, so the second half of this question on evolution says, since Steve was not on the show last week, I was wondering how he would explain – the feast of unleavened bread since we heard from the other guys last week the uh the, the primary start for the unleavened bread has to deal with the passover and the exodus of leaving egypt so when god came and delivered the children of israel they didn't have enough time for the bread to rise and so uh to go through the leavening process so they had to take what they had and leave and so from that day forward uh, god established this feast for them to remember for seven days that they were to eat this unleavened bread to remember because the Exodus is an enormous event. And going back to the last question, this is something that they want to disprove as well because it really is the foundational thing that started Judaism, and it's also a great picture of what was going to come with the Messiah uh, and how he was going to deliver us. But God established this that every time they came around, not only did they eat the Passover, but they remembered God's provision and how quick that he showed up that they didn't have time to prepare themselves. Now, we could preach a thousand sermons uh, on what it means to trust in God because his deliverance will come at his time. Now, when they got into the land, it evolved a little bit. It still had the same premise, but then the leavening became a picture of sin, of false teaching, false doctrine, hypocrisy that's used a lot of different ways throughout the New Testament. But its primary meaning was to remember God's deliverance and to never forget what he did in Egypt 
but then to never let those false things of false teaching, all that kind of stuff intermingle. So that's my take on it. Yeah. Guys, and, anything else you want to add? You guys, you guys eat unleavened bread for a week. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do we. Yep. Now we we almost kind of take away from it right, in a sense because now you get uh, all these some of these wonderful recipes. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's not it's not the hey, eating crackers for a week. Right. It's now it's like we make matzo pizza. We make yeah, all these yeah. wonderful desserts. Matzo and, pizza and matzo crack. Yeah. I mean those are yeah. matzo what. Crack it's, yeah. it's drizzled with chocolate, chocolate toffee, and nuts, all and toffee, and mm. <laughs> you call it crack. I, yeah. I didn't do that. That came from someone else sitting across the table from I, me. So I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know where that I saw, started. It's all recipe for like a, a seven layer matzo cake. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you can yeah. take it to where it's not designed to be a miserable time, but it yeah, is right. designed to be a time to remember. But I guess you can remember yeah. through yeah. eating. Yeah, so that's joyfully. You know, you know, this is one thing that we. Um, that we do, we've done for a long time, is, you know, as as Passover approaches, it starts uh, Saturday night, it's coming Saturday night, we, uh, Loretta and I already started talking today about uh, beginning the removal of uh, yep. leaven from our house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and what you do is you go through and you remove everything that has leaven in it, and sometimes that's a bit tricky. You have to go in your pantry and mm-hmm. say, yeah, yeah. does this even have leaven? I mean, it's, sometimes you, you don't know what has leaven, so you say, you know, it, you might say, well, that seems really inconvenient. Yeah, it's meant to be That's inconvenient. Right. It's, right. You're meant to understand. You need, if you want deliverance, mm. you got to purge. Yep. If you want to live the life of freedom that you get from getting out of Egypt, that means you've got to continue to live a life purged from this leaven. So if you allow yourself to learn the lesson instead of uh, – Instead of just looking at it as a as a drudgery, you it'll change you. Yeah. So, do you remove anything with any leavening at all, or are you specifically looking for yeast? Because there's an argument that yeah. we yeah. hear pretty frequently. Yeah, we we try to remove everything that has has uh, that has yeast in it, or that um, it shows any type of. Uh, there are some things that that have um, that may have some uh, leaven, but mm. the but the yeast has been removed or something like that i, I don't remember my wife is the one who really right, is the right. expert yeah. on this yeah, but yeah. but we yeah anything that has typically so can, typically yeast we try to get it out yeah. of that. anything that's so going to cause chemically a rise right i mean that's what yeah what self-rising flour and those sorts of things are about it's a chemical rise uh and we have probably been guilty we try to remove it all um but I, we, we've just because of our food storage situation um although most of that's actually in storage these days but there have probably been occasions when we didn't get all the chemical rising agents out of the house but yeah. we we do our best and, and and that starts for us today too that's i gotta go home and all of my kids are on spring break so they'll all still be asleep you know, what, gotta get kids up and get them moving well, so. one, one question um that has been posed to me and i think i'm still trying to understand is that you know uh at the celebration there's four cups of uh wine that uh-huh. are consumed um so that's that's fermented, mm-hmm. which means there's been a there's been a uh, fermentation going mm-hmm. on, which there's a yeasting mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. So um, does it just apply to um, yeast that is uh, meant for um, consumable things regarding like food? Because definitely the the, the beverage is mm-hmm. is actually exempt from that apparently. Yes. So um, part of the process of, of making kosher wine for um, Passover is making sure. So the yeast that that ferments uh, any alcoholic beverage, um, there reaches a there comes a point, and that's when fermentation actually stops. There comes a point where there's enough alcohol to kill all that yeast. So the, the part of the process for doing kosher wine is A, making sure that that process is absolutely complete, there's no live yeast left in there, and then making sure that the vessels are clean as well so that you haven't transferred yeast onto the outside of those bottles mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. So, so I guess by the time through. it gets to you, there 
is no there is no leavening left alive there. Right. So I guess that goes to the argument then whether we're looking at leaven or we're looking at yeast. So yep. It has been leavened, but yep. the, but it's no longer there. So right. that is a permissible thing. That's okay. a little rabbit trail. Cool, Steve. All right. So we're going to take a break here. I'm Steve Hess sitting in for Dave Ellswick, and we'll be back in two minutes. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is uh, Steve Hess, one of the Bible guys uh, sitting in for Dave. I will tell you that uh, Dave is obviously a man of faith since he has uh, decided to you. No, yeah. uh, well to us unsupervised i'll say it's not just me he you, handed his seat to you i don't see all three of us sitting in that seat, right well so. i was looking but the only problem is i only have the one mute button which is for myself right i wanted to be able to you know be able to have a conversation and shut you guys down which normally i can't do right so i can't do it today either unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a lot of fun. It's always funny that you know, when people think they have this idea that when you become a believer, you're not allowed to laugh and have joy mm-hmm. and tell and um, make jokes. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, you, as you can tell if you listen to the show for more than five minutes, we definitely have fun yeah. Uh, yeah. poking on one another. Okay, the last question that we got. I heard the guys talk about Passover last week, and I was just wondering why they seem to diss Easter. <laughs> That's a great question. The The scripture actually says in Acts 12, 4, Easter, so I was wondering why they seem to take issue with it. If it's in the Bible, then the Bible guys quote-unquote, yeah, uh, shouldn't have a problem with it, right? I am not trying to cause a problem or seem disrespectful. I just don't get why there's an issue. And who wants to start? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have 10 minutes, and we probably all need half an hour to yeah. uh, actually uh, rant against this. Well, uh, I'll just go ahead and uh, I'll just go ahead and jump in really quick. Uh, well, first of all, let's solve the word problem first. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So it, the, the word actually, uh, if you, if you're, you're probably reading that from the King James Bible. Mm, yep. yep. King James uh, and New King James. It, well, actually, the New King James Does it corrects it in New yeah, King James. Yes, New King James corrects it um, because um, if you actually look the word up in the Greek, it's the word Pascha. Uh, and the word Pascha is literally the word Passover. So what we have here is the word Easter is an actual deliberate mistranslation of the Bible. Right. So the Bible guys are holding to the Bible, mm. and the Bible actually says Pascha. We're not holding to a deliberate mistranslation of the word. This is where you get religion and tradition that come in and begin to uh, uh, to shift the uh, scripture. Uh, the only reason why we would be quoting dissing on anything is because it's actually departed from the actual text. So the word in the Greek is is Pascha, is Passover. Yeah, and we are part of what happens when you start walking down the the road that we all three are walking down is that you suddenly become very interested in language. Um, because until you understand that sometimes there are significant portions of the Bible in English that do not say the same things as they say in their original languages, and then suddenly you're like, well, what what does the Bible really have to say then? Mm-hmm. And you really have to find that level of interest in order to be able to ferret out things like this. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason we quote dis on Easter um, is because it's a pagan holiday. It was a, <laughs> it was a pagan import. Um, And one of the things that God specifically told the children of Israel is when you come into the land and you see the way those people who are currently there worship their gods, you will by no means worship me that way. Do not do that. And Christianity, uh, as soon as we... Um, cut off our Hebrew roots, we started looking around. Immediately going, did yeah. that. <laughs> hey, uh, what all can we find to import? Uh, right. Because we like all of these pagan things. Well, that's fine and all, but God said don't do that. So yeah. that, that's the reason we're a little rough yeah. on it. And, 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 you know, a lot of this is, um, you know, 
we don't we know that we don't want uh, politics in our uh, in our religion and really easter came as a result of politics right, right. constantine becomes the first quote christian emperor uh, and he became the great um you know kind of um politician uh, it was a, yeah and so he had a kingdom he had to unite and so what he did was he basically started taking the traditions that existed in the land basically giving them new uh, titles and new names and just suck them into uh, the faith so that everybody would be accepting of it. And in doing right. that, we unfortunately inherited lies mm. yep. from our fathers. And, so and, and innocently, I know most people, correct. they're not doing anything on purpose. Yeah, it's correct. just, that's what they know. But and it diminishes and takes away right. from the faith. The reason yeah. it is so offensive, you know, I'm, okay, Christmas is out there and adults know there's no big fat jolly man running around passing out presents. Um, and, and so I, we don't, my family doesn't personally celebrate Christmas, but I don't find that one offensive. Mm. I find Easter offensive because it has replaced what God put in place. Yeah. It's, it's not even so much about what it is. It's that people generally celebrate either Passover or Easter. And if you're going to celebrate one or the other, Let's grab the one that God gave us, because yeah, I suspect go. it's much more important, much more on point, and yes. much holier. When yeah. I was still in the military, I had to give the brief uh, when um, they changed the law to allow people to serve openly gay. And I remember I just turned the corner, and there was this uh, young woman that worked uh, in one of the offices, and I just caught it at the right time. Yeah, And she just says, I am so sick and tired of all these Christians. She goes, I've got a, a bachelor's degree and whatever and a minor in world religion. She goes, don't, they don't even know that they're worshiping Mithra. Yep. And I just was like, well, I can't disagree with you because yep. we picked up so many of those things and it takes away from the prophecies. Like right. We've talked several times on this show about how the event of Passover and unleavened bread and all that stuff were prophetic events. And when Jesus came to do all those things and to fulfill what those meant, then we don't eliminate and replace like billy was alluding to but we do them to establish them i mean you know my daughter just got married this past weekend we use the analogy of um you know you don't get married and then stop remembering the anniversary right well we did that once let's stop remember we keep doing it because it actually confirms the story Mm -hmm. and easter takes away from the story it diminishes the story and gets our focus away from the fact that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, was the promised Jewish Messiah. And it's one of the things that prevents a lot of the Jewish people from seeing him because they see him as this Roman false god that the Gentiles worship, you know, or Greco-Roman, whichever uh, deity you want to slap in there. And and then when they come to realize that he was Jewish, and all of a sudden he he was the Mashiach, Mm -hmm. and it makes sense to them because when they see him in that context – and we've used the analogy on this show about the story of Joseph uh, being sold by his brothers, right? And then they go down to Egypt. They don't recognize him because yeah, he right. looks like an Egyptian. That's what we've done with Jesus. That's why we move away from Easter. It's why we, quote, unquote, dis, dis Easter, because it doesn't have anything to do with its original Hebraic foundation, yeah. biblical foundation. It, and we're trying to get back to that. Yeah. And, and this is what I kind of call subliminal replacement theology mm-hmm. is where you Take Ooh, a, like a, a holiday that God gave, and then you replace it with something else. Right. You know, a typically replacement theology is seen as where the church replaces Israel when you read the text. But these type of things we're doing, and we're slowly replacing what God said with with the imported uh, holidays, whether they're cultural or whether they're politically imposed or whatever. And and so what God wanted kind of fades away, and we get the replacement of that, and then that continues to uh, dilute us. Let me just go ahead and mention really quickly this person. You might actually have heard what we said about Pascha, and you ran to your Strong's Concordance to look it up. 
And in your Strong's Concordance, you will see it says Passover. But at the very bottom, you will also see it says the word Easter. And let me just go ahead and address this Strong's Concordance bit. The Strong's Concordance is not a dictionary. It's a concordance of words that the original translators decided to use to express that Greek word. So when when it gives you a list of words for Pascha, it's telling you whenever that word has appeared, we, the translator, have translated it these many different ways. So Easter does appear there, but that's not because that's what the word means. That's because that's a lexicon of the of not a lexicon, but yeah, well, a lexicon, a concordance of the words the translators originally chose to express that word. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. So, uh, if you go to check that out, just make sure that you're uh, aware of that. Go to something much, uh, much stronger than Strong's. Get an actual dictionary <laughs> of what the word actually says. You know, the one story that most everybody's going to be familiar with uh, that I use to make this example is the story of the golden calf. Because when you look at it, people would say, and there was a lot more going on than just what I'm about to say. I mean, it was, you know, they were basically cheating on God. They were doing debaucherous things and all of that. But if you just look at it on the surface, we could make the case and go, well, why was God so mad? Right? Why was Moses so mad that he took the tablets and threw them down and God basically said, get out of the way. I'm going to kill them all. Mm-hmm. Because when, when they came down uh, and Aaron began to build a calf, he called the calf Elohim. He called it one of the names right, of God. Right. And then he said, we're going to have a feast for this God delivered us. And he called this feast day the Feast of Yahweh. So he used two names that identified to God, but yet it didn't have anything to do with God. Right. So we that's what we have done by taking Easter is we've given it a name, pretend it's talking about God, but it's not, and it's taken us away. And I'm not saying God gets as mad as Moses did, but it just diminishes the fullness of our story. So it yep. sounds go. like we are coming to the end. Another week done. Yeah. yeah. So I guess um, we'll, I don't know how Dave much time. Dave will be back in the morning. Yeah, Dave will be back in the morning. And then um, then we will be back next week, I think, because I don't know my schedule next week. So I know that these two guys will probably be here. And so make sure you send your uh, questions in. Um, also, we haven't had a lot of phone calls in a while, so we'd love to hear some voices. So. You know, call in to uh, the show, uh, 501-823-0965, and we'd love to hear some voices, not just get uh, some emails. But, again, you can always sell, sell them, send them to BibleGuys at Salem. L-R. L-R. Dot com. Dot com. All right. <laughs>